0: This podcast is brought to you by Crisp. It is a software that automatically mute background noise in any communication app. No more embarrassing dog barks, traffic noises, crying babies and family chatters when you're doing your calls from home or the nearby cafe. With Crisp, those noises will be muted and your caller will not be able to hear any of them. Not only is it able to remove background noises, it can also even remove the ones coming from your caller. So all you get is high quality audio without the distractions. CRISP supports any devices and over 800 apps such as Zoom, Teams and Webex. Try out the world's best AI-powered noise-canceling technology for free. Simply go to agentancomsg CRISP to get started. Welcome to The Adrian Tan Show. This is my podcast where I have deep conversations with the people who are enabling organizations to become ready for the future of work. My guests include a mindfulness coach, the folks behind Singapore's most popular investment app, and many more. They all have one thing in common, and that is to level up your organisations through your people. My guest today is Jeffet Lim. He's a serial entrepreneur who has taken up multiple training roles in his journey and believes in addressing the inefficiencies in the education sector, especially when it comes to cultivating a self-directed learning approach in students. He started Rubik's Academy, amidst the pandemic and its position to digitalize the learning experience. It looks to bridge the gap between tutors and students by providing an easy-to-use and intuitive interface with convenient features like geolocations. locations. The launch of the app coincides with the growing gig economy, where more and more Singaporeans are looking into side hustles and additional income source to cope with the impacts of the pandemic. Other than freelance tutors, the app has also proven to be an excellent asset for tuition centers that are struggling to reach the target audience, as well as managing attendance and allocation of resources more efficiently. The app has also embedded additional features for tutors to conduct classes virtually. At launch, the platform has over 100 tutors and educational service providers under its table and is offering its service for free. Please welcome my guest, Jefford Lim. Hi Jefford, thank you for coming on to the show.
1: Hey Adrian, thank you for the invitation.
0: Let's start off by understanding more about what you do, your background, and the company that you are currently doing.
1: Okay, so for for myself, I'm the co-founder of Rubik's Academy. Okay, so to put it in very layman terms and to make it very simple, basically Rubik's Academy is a mobile app. This particular mobile app, what it does is that it connects learners to trainers, tuition centers, and tutors so that's what it does
0: <laughs> okay so essentially you created a marketplace to connect supplies which would be your tutors uh, you mentioned others like trainers coaches. trainers trainers, trainers. Yeah. Correct. okay and since tutors is involved when you talk about the trainers are they also unique to people in the school going crowd?
1: the main dichotomy is that we divide into academic and non-academic so on the academic side we have tutors tuition centers which is basically your like you said your school going crowd then on the non-academic side we have of course your trainers your health and wellness trainers your wealth and finance trainers your relationship coaches so this is how the app works
0: right so essentially there'll be two group of target audience one would be Obviously, the buyers will be the parents of the school-going kids looking for tutors. And then the other one will be maybe the, even the parents themselves in looking for new things to learn and uh, new skills to acquire. Am I correct?
1: Yes, that is correct. That is correct.
0: So, And and what motivated you to do this? W- were you in something similar before? Or when did you come across uh, this problem that you like to put a solution
1: on? So basically for me, the reason why I... motivated or was motivated to start the Rubiks app is because i myself i was a trainer and i mean i'm still doing training i do training for blockchain related topics but i was also a private home tutor and i was also a tutor at a tuition center so for me this comes very naturally because basically i know the pain points that each and every role has in their daily occupation, right? in their day-to-day routines. So knowing these pain points plus my own passion in education and my own interest in technology, so I decided to put one-to-one together and actually create a Rubik's app lah, to overcome all of these uh, obstacles and pain points.
0: Could you elaborate more about these pain points, starting with the tutor and then moving over to your trainer persona?
1: So some of these pain points for a private home tutor right let's talk about the private home tutor first <laughs> All right? the biggest pain point for a private home tutor is quite simple it's the fact that most of them uh, they are assigned a student that may stay quite a distance away from where, they li- or where the tutors themselves live so this is a little inefficient because sometimes who knows maybe you have a student living in the same block or in the same area as you but because um, as a private home tutor you go to a tuition agency or what they call a tuition coordinator you're assigned to a student that lives very far away so for a private home tutor that is a pain point lah, that usually they, they face another pain point which a private home tutor faces right is n- not so paying uh, customers so basically you know private home tutors after Uh, a whole month of tutoring, they have to collect their tutoring fees, right? So most parents, they will pay on time, they will gladly pay, but there are also parents that are not, you know, willing to pay their remedial fees for their children. So this app also solves that problem because for the parents, whenever they enroll their child into one slot or two slots or make one or two or three appointments with a private tutor, they need to pay first to confirm the appointment. But it protects the parents as well because uh, as parents, they can just make one appointment. They don't have to make three or four. They can just make one, then just pay for that one and see if the tutor is uh, suitable for them. So that's how we overcome the two major pain points for a private home tutor. Uh, for tuition center, it's quite simple. For tuition center, basically, number one, we help them to digitalize. Number two is we help them to do the payment infrastructure. So on the Rubik's app, we are not just a listing directory. The payment and the enrollment can happen on the app itself. So we can facilitate that part for the tuition centers. And last of all, for trainers, I think for non academic trainers, their biggest pain point is finding students. <laughs> marketing lah, marketing. Because sometimes the non academic subjects are non compulsory. So some of these trainers, they have problems trying to find students. So what the Rubik's app does is that we help to market these trainers. You
0: mentioned about tuition centres, so to correct what my what I said earlier, so you basically have three group of target audience, the tutors, the tuition centres, which you provide somewhat of a POS-ish kind of system, primarily they help them tackle payments, mm. and then the other side will be trainers in helping them to, I guess, better market themselves out there. Yes. Uh, so essentially tackling your own problem as you shared earlier on, because you are a tutor, you, you are just short of opening your own tuition agency to to fit 100% of everyone that you're targeting and in <laughs> terms of the outreach in terms of the, the, the maybe the, the platform itself when did it go live
1: so basically the whole platform went live in august 2020 so the we were we only launched the app, so it's a very young app we only launched the app back in uh, august 2020 so it's been only about four to five months
0: and you mentioned you decided to tackle this problem because you have the technical expertise. Were you in some technical roles prior to your current engagement as a tutor and trainer?
1: So basically, while well, I'm the co-founder of Rubix, I'm also the head of digital development for Jigsaw Capital. So as the head of digital development, we actually do quite a few uh, IT projects and we handle not just not just your conventional IT projects. Like we handle blockchain-based projects as well so to answer your question directly yeah i mean <laughs> myself I, I i have a team that does mobile app development website development blockchain development so yeah it, 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 it's pretty second nature to me like and, and i'm the project manager so i know the technical side
0: awesome okay and and actually based on what i'm hearing so far the problem that you're trying to solve based on my recollection has been attempted by some other company as well. Due to the part, I'm not, I can't recall offhand, but I do remember, in fact, there's someone that I know, she started a company called, if I don't remember wrongly, Learning Go Where or something like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it, it was around for about three years before she decided to quite quit. quits. Mm. And one of her key challenges, and she actually wrote a blog post about this. One of the key things that she was trying to overcome or to work around and for and quite similar to every kind of platform that is of your nature would be leakage because once connection is done there will be a tendency for the customer to bypass the platform which obviously i would assume you would take a, a fee of the transaction in order to make money so that's yes, correct for common challenge like this how do you foresee uh, this to be taken care of in a unique way that rubik's academy may have in mind
1: So number one is, it goes back to the basics. I mean, to me, it's about rewarding correct behavior and penalizing bad behavior. If you just set up a directory without this mechanism in place, right? Yes, you will definitely face uh, leakage and circumvention, right? So for us, right, we will reward users who are constantly on the app through our dual currency system. Number one, what we call the star system. So for every item they purchase. Regardless of pricing, they will get one star per item. So with number of stars, they can accumulate and earn badges, they can earn and with, if with, if they collect a high level enough badge, a high level badge, okay, I mean I'm talking from a gaming point of sense, they can unlock certain perks, permanent perks, like maybe one percent permanent discount of all items. You know, things like that. Then uh, number two is this. We will also be coming up with like what we call a scholar credits system so it's akin to your grab points so that one uh, that one will determine uh, that one will be determined by the pricing of the items that you bought so the 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 more expensive it is the more uh credits you get then in turn they can use these credits on other items ah. so to us is um about rewarding correct behavior and then punishing bad behavior so how do we punish them to us is very simple what we do is We'll monitor the chats and uh, we'll monitor the drop-off rate in terms of students to tuition centres. Then if we get any evidence of students directly enrolling in tuition centres, we will not penalise the student. We will penalise the tuition centre because the tuition centres know full well how we profit as an organisation and if they choose to be funny, then <laughs> no choice. Lah. We have to blacklist them. Lah. I mean, hmm. that's the way it is. Lah, right? We help you find the students. If you choose to second band, then you then to the tuition center owner they know they know very clearly in their heart, you know, <laughs> who is the wrongful party per se, lah. So there'll be a rewards and penalty system in place. That's number one. Lah. Number two is I always believe that for any app to achieve stickiness, right? You need a wide enough ecosystem. You need a big enough ecosystem. Like for example, lah, let me give you an example. Let's say today Lazada, right? Today, when we go on Lazada, we see the name of the shop, we see who we are ordering goods and supplies from, but why don't we circumvent Lazada? Why do we still open up the app and go there and shop? <laughs> okay, I mean, I can just contact the shop, and then I say, hey, sell me your things. Then they, I'm sure they have a way to arrange for delivery as well. So <laughs> the, it all comes back right to the same problem, which is, is your ecosystem big and diverse enough to prevent linkage? So why why isn't Lazada afraid of leakage? Why isn't Shopee afraid of leakage? For them, circumvention is also a problem, you know. And in terms of relationship, it's it's not weaker than a teacher-student relationship. It's a vendor-supplier relationship. It can also be very strong, but yet they are doing very well because why? They have a big enough ecosystem to prevent circumvention, and they have the critical mass. And last of all, they offer convenience. It's so easy to buy things on the app compared to going the manual route. So it's also about adoption,
0: that, that definitely makes sense. I'm, personal, I'm a personal user of Shopee and Lazada. And in fact, until you point out, it actually, it actually reminded me that I could easily, I could try to circumvent, but yes, you're right. The convenience would make the user uh, like myself continue through the app. And you mentioned about critical mass to prevent or to circumvent the leakage issue. So as of today, what is your critical mass in terms of the supplier, in terms of the supplies of tutors, tuition centers, and trainers?
1: So today, I mean, we are a very young app. To date we have about 100 no sorry about 200 200 private home tutors we have managed to onboard we have managed to onboard about 10 to 15 tuition centers and we have about just a small pool of 30 to 40 trainers so we are still very young and we are looking for funding to you know accelerate the acquisition process.
0: When it comes to the marketing, especially on the trainers part, you were, you mentioned earlier on uh, that is the key issue surrounding trainers. So what is Rubik's supporting this group of trainers in marketing themselves? Is there like a landing page or some kind of uh, glass door-ish kind of reviews for, for them to pro- put up on the platform?
1: So the app itself uh, offers reviews. Okay, there is a review system on the app, but at the same time, okay, at the same time, what will happen is, we also market the trainers through our Instagram page, through our social media platform, and through your conventional uh, Facebook ads, Instagram ads, you know, that means through, mainly through digital means as of now, but we are not going to rule out physical banners, you know, at MRT stations and all that, you know, but just that for now, we prefer to do fully digital, because we, we have no idea what's the efficacy of our we have no idea what's the efficacy of uh, physical advertising. So we are sticking to digital advertisements for now.
0: Mm, okay. I- I'd like to next just get your views on well, primarily the education system in Singapore since you've been a tutor for how, how long?
1: I was previously a tutor for coming close to about... two. I-, I was a tutor when I was in my uni days <clears throat> for about two years. Then after that, mm. I came out. Then before I started Rubik's app, I went to do a short stint as a tutor, just to understand how, just to understand even deeper, what's the pin point of a, what, what, what are the pin, pin points of a tuition center, lah, right, because during my mm. uni days, I was a private home tutor, so before I started a Rubik's app, I went to become a tutor at a tuition center, so mm. total added, added together about two and a half years because I did a six-month stint at a tuition center, <laughs> just to build a relationship so that the, the, the principal uh, can, can share with me some of her pain points lah, so that I can better understand how the ecosystem works.
0: And obviously, you've been a student yourself. And I do remember reading an article sometime back that the Singapore tuition industry is worth $5 billion. I can't remember US or SGD, but both would hmm. be equally big. And there is, of course, the talk about the tuition culture in Singapore, not as bad as Korea, but I guess we are slowly inching towards that. And of course, you have all the huge companies that manage to cash out as well, Learning Lab being one of them, that sold to a PE fund. In, from your personal perspective, why do you think there is such a tuition culture in Singapore?
1: That's a very good question, Adrian. (laughs) Okay, I think, honestly, it all goes back to our Asianistic roots. (laughs) Right, the... I mean, it goes back to our pursuit of knowledge and it comes back to the fact that Singapore, we started off as a country whereby we were very focused on human resources, right? Because uh, as the late Lee Kuan Yew said, uh, we, we have nothing. <laughs> the only thing we have is human uh, humans. So there was a very deep emphasis in the early early forming days of the nation in terms of human resources. So, but back then, because we didn't reach the stage all right? well, we were talking about, you know, wholesome learning, all-encompassing learning. So we focus really just on the grades. So I believe what started back then were our roots. And the roots were deeply entrenched. Lah. So I think it's so entrenched that even up to today, there's still a very big focus on grades. You know what I mean? So honestly, for the Rubik's app, we are trying to tell the world as well or tell Singapore as well that life is not just about grades because on the app there is this button called a personal development chart whereby you can see for each of the six sectors uh, how, how, how well you're doing. You know, how how, <laughs> how focused you are. So but going back to your question, going back to your question, I, I honestly think that the tuition culture is formed because of, of our early focus on, on grades lah, and I don't think it's going to go away anytime soon, but I do think that it will take on a different nature whereby I do believe that tuition will be, there will be more tuition that is done online All the, the, the offline site will still be there, but the presence might become weaker over time. That is my belief, especially with, you know, like VR, AR learning. So the only reason why younger kids go to tuition centers is because at the tuition center, you have a specialized environment to sit the kid down, <laughs> push the whiteboard to his face and say, let's learn, you know, for the younger kids, like the Premier 1, Premier 2, Premier three. But with VR and AR, we can actually simulate environments. We can do proxy simulation of environments. So if AR and VR becomes commonplace, I do believe that tuition will become more and more and more virtual, more and more online. That is my personal take.
0: That would be an interesting idea as well to move towards a VR, AR kind of environment. Personally, as a father of four and with three of them in primary school system, I do understand why tuition is such a big thing. My personal take is class size is still too big for uh, personalised learning to be done. And some children just progress slower or faster than others. And, but for the teacher, she or he just want to ensure that things move on. And of course, some people will be left behind, which is, of course, made up by or, uh, or pushed ahead by the tutors that the parents engage. So I am somewhat indifferent to this system. Obviously, I would prefer it to be a bit more personalized, but I think it is quite a huge challenge to overhaul the current system that we have. But having said that, if you have a magic wand, assuming you are the Minister of Education, what is the one thing that you would do or the one thing that you would not do right away to improve the education system?
1: Wow. (laughs) Okay. So, I mean, I don't know about other countries, but I'll just talk about Singapore. I think the one thing that I will do immediately right now is I will set aside a big budget for AR learning. I mean, not because I have a tech background or what, but because... This is really the next stage of learning, you know, and that's number one. Right? Number two is very is, is because of COVID-19, right? We all know that COVID-19 is spread through surfaces, you know. Okay, so there are some new strains that are airborne, but the, the, the typical strain that we know is spread, spread being spread through our surfaces. So AR, what AR does is that it also reduces physical contact, you know, students' physical contact with, you know, lab glasses, you know, the the titrating uh, I forgot titrating chamber or something that means it it reduces the need for physical interfacing for physical interfacing processes so if I'm the minister the one thing I will do straight away is I will definitely set aside a budget for AR then when 5G is firmly in place Then I will start to roll out the budget and say, okay, so who wants to pitch? Who wants to start to design some AR learning programs? Because ultimately, at the start, it's not going to be perfect. These AR learning softwares, they are not going to be revolutionary. (laughs) But if you don't start, you will never get there. So this is what I will do, right? That's the one thing that I will do. The one thing that I would not do or the one thing that that I would change perhaps in the current system would be very simple, I think for, for myself, lah, right? Uh, because I see the world has I see Singapore's future going forward more as a as a service-based economy rather than manufacturing or you know all, all those are sunset industries lah to me. So I will also be inviting external trainers into school grounds to do to 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 introduce some some courses that focuses on soft skills rather than hard skills. Like, like some like for example financial literacy right we used to have that but i don't know why they stopped so financial literacy causes in schools you know get the whole population more financially savvy because the misconception is is always this people always think that i should be financially savvy only when i have money <laughs> actually that's not true lah. you should train first before you even have the money right so i think these causes, soft skills are very important. And that's the one thing I would do. I would set aside a budget for that as well. Right, but of course, that's just me.
0: (laughs) I was having a conversation with another friend earlier and we were talking about this as well, about the financial training in school and why it's not there. My personal theory is because Singapore is economy that is driven by consumption. So Mm -hmm. by teaching people not to spend, it runs counter to the overarching aim of the government which is to drive up GDP but then this is my own theory which I have no data to back but I do agree financial literacy should be introduced into the school system to help people better manage them financially because I've seen so many cases of people who just couldn't manage the money for for the better of their life and it's quite sad on the kind of financial prison that they put themselves in.
1: Yep, yep. That that that's why I say it's important uh, to 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 do that, to to really put a focus on that aspect. Uh, I mean whether it's in terms of grades or just doing a project, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not a curriculum expert, but I think it needs to start uh, that's my personal opinion. Same as yours.
0: <laughs> on the on the training front, which we are talking about, like what you mentioned earlier on the soft skills and all that, which would be another group of audience that you have, or another group of supply that you have on your platform. I'd like to get your take on the training, obviously, is something very important and has been introduced many decades ago. In fact, since time immemorial in Singapore, where we always need to go through this lifelong learning thing. Then, of course, Skills Future came along and then Skills Future credits and all that. But having said that, if you look at the data, Skills Future credit has quite a huge budget. But based on what I last read, only 10% has been used. That really mm. run counters to what we feel about lifelong learning, people always willing to learn, and this is free money after all. Why do you think this is happening?
1: Uh, wow, well, this is, this again, another good, very good question for you, Adrian. Now, I've also been reading up la, on why people are not using Skills Future credits, right? Okay, number one is this. My personal take is this, la, right? The causes offered on Skills Future, number one, it's, it boils back down to marketing. How do you market the causes, right? <laughs> and whether the causes that can be bought with Skills Future Credit, whether it can even appear in front of the right people's eyes, you know, the, the right audience, right? So the reason why I think there's such a low usage, low rate of usage for Skills Future Credit, right? Is very simple. Because simply not enough people know about the causes on skills offered by Skills Future. And that's number one. Number two is the causes that are offered on Skills Future. They are not versed with maybe copywriting, sales pitching. They just don't know how to present their course in the right way to make it attractive. You're right, you're absolutely right, Adrian. Like free money, why don't just use? But at the end of the day, it's push and pull. So the so with free money, good. You have a push factor. But the pull factor just isn't strong enough, meaning that the causes, in in my opinion, I'm sure the content is good, right? Singapore, we have good educators. We have people who are proficient in what they do. But being able to market that proficiency and to market the desired impact of those causes is a whole different matter. So... If the causes are not marketed in an attractive manner or they are not marketed at all, <laughs> I mean I don't know about you, but I seldom see Skills Future ads popping out on Facebook. La. I very rarely see. So, in other words, right, Skills Future Agency as a whole, they don't market the courses. They, they 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 just uh release the credits. Then if you are a trainer, good. Okay, I will examine your course, I will approve your course, you can now use skills future credit but the marketing of the course is still done by the trainer themselves. So if the trainers themselves don't market, then nobody's going to use the credit. Lah. That is my personal take. So it all boils down to marketing the courses. Yeah, so I think that's why lah. <laughs> my personal... That's
0: really true. I personally have been trying to find something to uh, take up because I've, I'm have i past 40. I actually have $1,000 sitting in my account right now, which I'm looking <laughs> yeah. to use, but... Like I said, I think, firstly, the the platform isn't user-friendly or isn't sitting on the user side. I I think it's because it's a government platform It's trying to play fair and square with everyone. So there's no featured listing, there's no star ranking because we cannot be seen favouring one versus another. But it makes it really hard for a learner like myself Ah, uh, that has to sieve through ten thousand different causes in order to find one. Yeah, and the marketing again is something that just isn't there. I mean, <laughs> I I I was planning to take up a course related to video production, and there are mm. quite a few of them that I can use Skills Future to pay for. Instead, I went for a course with Nest Daily, and I have to pay <laughs> money for that <laughs> because the proof factor is there. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So so if if we have. Uh, someone listening in from Skills Future, please take up this feedback from the two of us. That is 100% of your sample size. You really need to revamp the platform to drive up the adoption rate. But I'd like to segue to, back to your product. You, you mentioned earlier on two times about ARVR being the next thing in training. Would that also be something that you have up your
1: sleeve? Uh, for now, Rubik's, uh, we, we won't focus on that. All right, because our first and foremost priority is the accessibility part of the equation, right? Getting the tuition centers out, getting the trainers out to the right people. But that's not to say that this is not within our R&D plans. So on the product side, no, we are not launching any AR or VR. But we will uh, definitely, I mean, I've been re- repeating this phrase, but we will definitely be allocating some budget to do a bit of AR, VR research. But it's a very expensive field, though. It's very expensive. VR is expensive because of the amount of uh, equipment involved, right? And 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 it's, and it's the reason why I say AR should go to classrooms first is because AR can be done on a massive scale. VR, you can't. You Unless you want to buy a headgear for each and every single one of the students, which is, that one I understand, that, that one will be way beyond any school's budget. So... That's why I always say AR is the lower hanging fruit. That's why on my end, we're going to allocate some budget to do AR research first. VR, maybe after AR. That would be my own two cents worth. Lah.
0: Okay. And what else is on the roadmap over 2021 for Rupex Academy?
1: The roadmap is very simple. For 2021, we are hoping to hit 1,000 tutors. Right, We are striving towards 1,000 tutors. Right, We are also striving towards 1,000 tutors in combination, they are from tuition centers or private home tutoring, one thousand tutors, and we're hoping to hit a total of five hundred trainers by the end of end of the year. As for the user base, I hope we want to hit a, a sample size of two to ten thousand downloads, right? Then hoping that um not hoping, la we we will we'll introduce certain stickiness measures to make sure that out of that two to ten k that download, we have about we want to hit okay about 10 to 20% retention rate. That means people who actively use the app. Lah. But we understand, lah. I mean, not you won't look for causes every day. <laughs> so the retention concept is a bit different from Rubik's. Lah. But that is those are the numbers that we want to hit for 2021.
0: I'm sure once this podcast goes live, I would be able to help you to add at least plus one to the metrics that you have in mind. And for people who's interested to find out more about Rubik's Academy, where should they go to?
1: Just... Go to your app store, go to your Google Play store and search R-E-U, like Ruben, R-E-U-B-I-K-S, Rubik's. So it's it's Rubik's but with an E after the R, <laughs> then you'll be able to find our app. Just call, just type in the same exact thing into google.com, you'll also see our website. Yeah, and you, you will see the relevant information about myself and, and the team, basically. And
0: the link to the app will be added to the show notes. Jeffrey, once again, thank you so much for coming onto the show. I wish you continued success with Rubik's Academy.
1: Thank you so much, Adrian. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to the podcast. You can refer to the show notes for links to more information about our guests and their businesses. If you enjoyed this podcast, it would be helpful to give a review on iTunes or follow me on Spotify. If you're using Overcast, please hit the star button under the episode. That will help get this episode and podcast out to more people who may find it useful. I'll see you in the next episode of The Agent Han Show.